0: Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.
1: Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 353. This is Tom Mullooly joining me today are Brendan Mullooly and Tim Mullooly. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. So uh, running joke here in the office is uh, the lights went out last summer at the end of July for a couple of days. I decided to order a generator. I was told it'll be two or three weeks at the beginning of August and two or three weeks became two or three more weeks at the end of September and then two or three more weeks in November and then finally, at the end of January, it was delivered. And then it was all right, how do we get this thing installed? But for four plus months, we were waiting and no one knew why, what was going on with this thing.
2: But now we have some insight into what happened. There were articles in, in Bloomberg, and we've been hearing stories, you know, rumblings of this for a little bit now, how there's a shortage
1: of computer chips out there worldwide and so if you've been trying to order a refrigerator a generator a car uh and i have another story to share along those lines uh this is what's going on these chips are in um, very tight supply it really started with the pandemic a year ago people said hey we have to shift to working at home so uh, we need to order laptops for everybody or computers or uh, you know, if you're running a school and you're not set up for that, uh, like a lot of schools were, it was uh, we have to get Chromebooks for everyone. So it was certainly a lot of demand all at once. The other thing that we found out uh, was um, everyone hopped on Zoom but people didn't have webcams, right. they didn't have microphones. So they were using those uh, headsets from like the 90s on how to you know how to connect uh on these calls
0: right so so a lot of demand for technology that helps people do do things from home and so demand there soaking up some of uh these semiconductors because you need them to do all these different devices and at the same time you had companies cutting production on things like cars or uh you know appliances things like that because they didn't know uh, what kind of recession we were going to be heading into, and, and what sales were going to look like for the next 12 months. So, one thing that companies do that produce goods at that point in time is, is try to hedge their risk by, by not creating too much because then they're left with inventory they can't move.
1: So, Broadcom is one of the uh, chip design companies, and they're kind of involved at the entire end from end to end in the supply chain. With all of this manufacturing, you know, we talk about manufacturing jobs leaving the U.S. This is exactly what we're talking about. These manufacturing jobs are no longer here; they're all they're global. And so, what they said was, it had been uh, right before the pandemic, the delay was about 12 weeks to get delivery on semiconductor chips. And you know, now they have, or by the end of the year, uh, last year, they had said it's now 22 weeks. And that is not showing any signs of slowing down or getting shorter that there are more and more delays that are coming with these things. I think what's, what really opened up a lot of people's eyes were the fact that even though you've got a lot of companies out there that are in the chip business, there's really only two companies that make most of the chips. So there's Taiwan Semi, Taiwan Semiconductor, and Samsung. That's it. But they supply Broadcom. They supply NVIDIA. They supply Advanced Micro Devices, AMD. They supply everyone. And we're finding out now that companies like NVIDIA and AMD, they make the designs for the chips. They don't necessarily build the chips. The chips get built in what's called a foundry. And the two biggest foundries are owned by those two companies, Taiwan Semi and and Samsung.
2: Yeah, I feel like the pandemic kind of exposed how different areas of the supply chain are like extremely fragile. And we're just starting to see the impact of that now in terms of semiconductors and and chips and stuff like that. But we even saw it like right in the very beginning when you couldn't get paper products or toilet paper or paper towels or Lysol wipes or hand sanitizer. Everyone was running to the store to grab and stockpile everything that they could. Uh, So even on a local level, the supply chains were exposed because they couldn't handle the stress test that was being thrown at them. And now we're seeing the same thing on a global level with with these semiconductor chips.
1: Yeah. So there's more and more chips, semiconductor chips, that are showing up in cars. Prior to the mid-90s, you didn't get chips in cars. The dashboard kind of worked by itself with all of the different gauges. Now they just have, you know, they used to call them dummy lights because they would only come on when something was wrong. But I, I kind of learned a lot about the electronics that go into new cars now. I say new cars, but 20 in the last 20 years, uh, by watching this Wahoo on uh, YouTube, this guy Scotty Kilmer. He's got millions of subscribers. Scotty Kilmer, you should check him out on YouTube. He's a mechanic. He's probably like almost 70 years old. And he always talks about just getting Toyotas and Hondas uh, but even he started talking about all the electronics that you have in your dashboard. Forty percent of the forty uh, percent of the car, of the car parts now are electronics. So when you have a problem, your engine in your Toyota or your Honda may run great, but if your electronics crap out, you've got a problem, and it may take weeks to get the parts to replace them. So what does
2: all of this meant? Really, like for these companies in terms of their stocks and the market and these different sectors, like, have we, have we seen any sort of indication that there's, these are starting to impact, you know, car company stocks or semiconductors
1: and stuff like that? Uh, I can tell you that just in the last couple of days, Honda said that they're going to stop production at three different plants in Japan. BMW has been changing all of their shifts. Ford uh, announced that they're lowering their full year earnings forecast because of chips, and that's gonna extend into next year. Uh, Apple, yesterday when they announced their earnings, said that supply constraints, mainly chips, are crimping sales of iPads and MacBook uh, computers and it's gonna knock three to four billion dollars off of their revenues. So car makers, when you add up all of the different car makers, they're now forecasting that they're going to miss out on over $60 billion worth of sales this year because they don't have supply.
0: I mean, it just goes to show that predicting the future is hard. So, no, No shame meant by bringing this up, but they decided to cut production at a point last year and then all scrambled at the same time when they're so they they cut back on production because they were worried people weren't gonna be buying cars because we we're gonna be in a recession with the pandemic, maybe people not traveling as much, so like who even is putting miles on their car and wants to buy a new one. Turned out that was not really the case and people still wanted cars and things weren't as bad as a lot of people expected them to be during the first quarter of twenty twenty. So then during the third and fourth quarter, they were all in the same exact position of having to then scramble back to their suppliers to ramp back up again for the demand that they didn't anticipate would be there. And now we're on the other side of that in the first quarter of this year, and they're telling us that they're just not going to meet the demand and that they're shutting down production again, but for a totally different reason. So they made a call. They thought it was going to protect their business, and it turned out to be wrong.
1: We've seen semiconductor stocks do pretty well over the last few months. But now we're starting to see semiconductor companies are now starting to, to hedge their, their words a bit in terms of their forecasts for the future and it's not helping their stocks. And while we don't want to get into projecting what the future is going to bring, when there's a shortage you think, oh boy, they can, really, they can gouge the, you know, their customers and charge whatever they want and tell them to wait. But you get to a point when there's a shortage where a shortage will actually really hurt your business. And I think that's what we're
0: starting to see. Things don't always follow one another. So yeah, I actually pulled up, if you, if you look in Google Trends for the phrase semiconductor shortage, there's nothing, there's no search activity. And then in January of this year, it starts to go vertical, meaning like everybody starts picking up on like, hey, what the heck is going on here and looking into this phrase semiconductor shortage. And if you look at the performance of that sector of the market overall, it, it doesn't necessarily track. And so, again, right, you you would think, all right, there's a, sh- a shortage, meaning supply-demand imbalances. Maybe I can profit from that because if there's a shortage, these chip makers should be more, more profitable moving forward because they're just going to raise prices because there's an incredible demand. Hasn't actually been the case. Right. So, again, things don't always work out the way that you uh, would – originally anticipate if you're just factoring in if if this then that sort of conclusions just just like the cart makers were
2: doing last year right yeah it's like it's pretty much the conclusion that we came to from everything that happened last year the market doesn't have to react the way you think it's going to to anything right um and that was the case all throughout last year in terms of what was going on with just the pandemic in general Right. you you would think you don't want to
0: own a pretty economically sensitive area of the market like semiconductors, but in fact, you did last year uh, despite what was going on in the world uh, and as you progress you know onward from there, you reach a point where that no longer becomes the case uh, or or the news has already been factored into the price and there's there's not much left to do from there in terms of uh, being being a great area
2: yeah, and I think over the last handful of years. We've gotten conditioned to think that the market doing well and these big technology names doing well, they go hand in hand, but that doesn't necessarily always need to be the case. I mean, the major indexes are touching up on highs almost every other day and we've seen technology companies not do that well really over the last couple of months. So different areas of the market can pick up the slack and, and different companies in different sectors, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because these technology companies might be working their way over a a speed bump right now, that the market has to fall apart because there are no computer chips anymore.
1: It's interesting what happens when you see an industry or a company try to flex, you know, try to shift on the fly. So last week, Intel, which at one point was the largest chip company not only in the United States, but in the world. Last week, Intel announced that they're going to spend $20 billion to build their own foundry. They're not going to be reliant on Taiwan Semiconductor or Samsung. They're going to invest $20 billion to create this new foundry. It's going to take years. We don't even know in a few years if there's still going to be a shortage or if they're even making the right chips. It reminds me a lot of in the 70s we got really long gas lines because of the gas shortages and so all of the car manufacturers decided almost at the same time that the US auto consumer doesn't want to drive those big tanks, those big Cadillacs anymore. They want smaller economical cars and people instead started dumping their big Chevys and their big Cadillacs and replacing them with a Toyota Corolla or a Honda Accord or something like that. And so the US manufacturers tried to shift very quickly to making small cars. That's why we had the Ford Pinto, you know, which didn't really do very well. And it really, it really hurt these companies because as the price of oil seemed to normalize going forward once the back-to-back recessions were over, into the 80s, people started wanting big cars again. And the the automakers just weren't in a position to flex in the other direction. And so we're gonna find out what's gonna happen with these chip companies.
0: Yeah, business businesses like investors, uh, people, business and investing are obviously related but businesses and investors have to make similar decisions about what the future is going to look like and you have to weigh the benefits of doing what you're doing or if you were exposed i mean there to some extent you can be fighting the last war and if you're always doing that then you're you're preparing for the thing that just happened not necessarily sure that's a great way to look forward into the future but you know you obviously have to address things that were a problem for you in the past too so you weigh those two things so you hope that these companies trying to pivot here to like not, not relying on the big semiconductor uh, producers that have burned them here in the moment are not setting themselves up so far in that direction that when that world they're envisioning doesn't exist that they are no longer a viable business.
1: It also tends to show you like the pecking order when, time, when supplies get tight. Taiwan Semiconductor, 25% of their business comes from Apple making the chips for the phones and for the iPads so 25% of their business comes from that. They don't, while they make chips for cars, it's not a significant portion of their business. So these car manufacturers are just being told, you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait. And that's all they can do. A Couple of interesting stories I'll share. Not too long ago, I decided that I was going to buy a Toyota 4Runner. And the first thing I did was I looked for one that was coming off of lease. And I found that people who own Toyota Forerunners for the most part, they don't let them go. There's, there's a very, very limited market for used cars right now. Part of that is the supply. But part of it is when you get a good car like a Toyota Forerunner or a good truck, uh, people want to keep them. And so then I decided, well, if everybody's keeping them, maybe I'll get a new one and I'll just keep that. And uh, while I'm sitting in the dealership, this was at the end of January, I overheard a salesman talking with a customer on the phone and he said, I just heard that the chip uh, factory in Japan where the chips are made for the dashboard, that factory burned to the ground. And that's actually true. That's a company called Renesas, uh, or maybe I'm mispronouncing it, Renesas, but chip producer for the auto companies uh, actually did burn to the ground. There are no chips available. So there are, there's going to be delays this summer for new cars. There's going to be extreme shortages, it appears. Uh, I went over to the Honda dealership and was told pretty much the same thing. Like, look at the cars that are on the lot. That's what we've got we're not anticipating getting a lot of deliveries of new cars. So if you haven't heard about this shortage of semiconductors, whether it's been a delay to get a refrigerator or a generator like me, uh, anything that's got a chip in it, probably gonna be a delay. I know we were told from our IT provider here at the office that if you need to get a replacement workstation or PC that it's going to be somewhere in the area of 20 weeks to get a replacement. So hopefully your computers don't crap out. That could be a problem.
2: The good thing is, I think, um, if this problem persists, we've seen at least just over the last year how resilient and adaptive different areas can be. So if it becomes a real problem, people will find different ways to solve their problems. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be the, the same way that they've always done things. I mean, that innovation comes from desperate times for some industries. Necessity so. is
1: the mother of invention. Yeah, ex- yep. exactly. Yeah. So. Okay, that's going to wrap up episode 353. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode.